Hey guys, just popping in your ears before we get started today to chat to you about Endeavour College. Carissa and I get heaps of questions about where we studied and also the level of qualifications that we hold. And you guys want to know what we recommend when you're flirting with the idea of making your love of natural medicine a career reality. So we both studied a Bachelor of Health Science and Nutrition at Endeavour College of Natural Health. For me, gaining a bachelor degree was really imperative as it gave me recognised qualifications that I was after and those qualifications are industry and association recognised, so important. Adeva provided also a level of education and a quality pertaining to holistic approach and that was fundamental for me. Not only did Endeavour provide the foundations of things like biochemistry and physiology, which are so important, of course, but the degree also gave me an education on the key foundations of a systemic approach to health. And that philosophy is a core to us here at the JCN Clinic. What I love most about my study time at Endeavour was that it provided me with this great environment where I could soak up and grow my thirst for nutrition exponentially. I also love that the lecturers came from a background of clinical practice and that provided a really good real life experience. So important. And I also got a really great tight network of support in fellow students and we could all nerd out hardcore together and, you know, that was fabulous. So if you're interested in a career in nutrition or for that fact, natural medicine, I really wholeheartedly recommend Endeavour. You can head on over to endeavour.edu.au for more info, or you can find Endeavour on Instagram at Endeavour College. You are listening to the JCN Clinic Podcast. The JCN Clinic Podcast is a place where nutritionalists Jessica Cox and Carissa Mason get real about nutrition and living a healthy life. They share with you their passion and their clinical knowledge for a fun, no BS approach to looking after yourself. Please enjoy today's episode and don't forget to subscribe and iTunes. Hi guys and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Welcome, welcome. (laughs) We are back, back in our first week of clinic Mm -hmm. and... We wouldn't be lying if we said we wouldn't be lying. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? We um, would have been. We'd be lying if we said. <laughs> yeah, In case you guys is keenly engaged out the first like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that we are struggling was what I was going to say. <laughs> I wish like we could just play the pre-recording of us doing our voice test yeah. just then because you would have actually heard me and Jess talking about our first week back. Yeah. <laughs> And I guess if we were like super professional, we would like stop this yeah. and just start again. Yeah. But <laughs> I, What's the point? no, th- this is the realistic expression of struggle city. <laughs> I think everyone struggles with this oh, because you turn off does. so much and it always highlights how we are running so much on adrenaline day to day and there's like a capacity of building that back up again. Well, one of my clients said to me, you know, you've had a good holiday if you when you really struggle with coming yeah. back to work. Because I think if you come back and you just jump straight back in and everything's yeah. just exactly how it was and you just pick up where you left off and it's kind of like you probably didn't really unwind enough. Whereas yeah. 
I think our first day when we were all doing emails and stuff and the fact that I had to reread every email like twice because it looked like a foreign, foreign freaking language. <laughs> I was like, come on brain, please work. <laughs> Even just like seeing clients again, that mm. first one or two clients, like I yeah. just couldn't believe how much I was struggling with just the physicality of speaking so much and being so thirsty. Emma oh, and I on same. Monday were I've like, been thirsty. So thirsty. I seriously, like still yesterday was thirsty. Like this thing got filled up like three times. Right. I was just like guzzling. I was just, yeah, it really highlights <sighs> the demand day to day. Yeah. What, I mean, like, everyone's got some pretty intensive jobs, but yeah. I think within yeah. clinic, yeah, yeah. Um, which is going to be an important part to sort of rolling which we'll talk about a little bit later the new year package mm. and why we're doing it too mm. so we don't have a meltdown within the first few weeks yeah <laughs> wow we sound like we're really on track <laughs> happy new year <laughs> anyway good to be back so basically we decided today as we usually do in the last 24 hours um that we really wanted to take this chance i think it's been the last 12 hours okay all right <laughs> I think you emailed me at like 7 o'clock last true, night. True, 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 actually. <laughs> what are we going to talk about? <laughs> so we thought we'd talk about something we wanted to do for a while, which is the GIFX comprehensive stool testing. Mm-hmm. Um, because, one, we want to nerd out and talk about it. And it's our podcast show and we'll do what we want. <laughs> But also, number two, it's the start of the year. New year, new Jess. <laughs> That's right. And being the start of the year, a lot of you are on that oh, new year dear. wagon of wanting to kind of get yourself sorted and be the healthiest version of yourself. And you're starting to sort of think about what you can do. And this is a test that is really great for getting some um, insight to what's going on. In your gut. So, <laughs> in your gut. In your guts, mate. <laughs> so... Oh, help if I hit the right computer screen here. Here we go. So we wanted to talk about the GI effects. We um, are pretty obsessed with this test, we aren't are, we? We are, aren't we? Yeah. Like mm. up until probably, oh, I don't even know what the time frame would be, but there's been a lot of um, stool tests that we have used in the past and we still do use. It's not saying that they're... Um, we don't use those anymore. It's just that obviously as research develops mm. and technology develops and all of that jazz is that obviously just what we can see and what we can learn obviously gets better and better. And so yeah. with that testing gets better and better. So mm-hmm. um, prior to the GIFX test, we'd obviously just use like the general CDSA through various companies and, mm-hmm. th- and they're great. They do offer some amazing information as well. But this test is a little bit like next level on that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it on freaking steroids (laughs) so the original tests we're using which this test and this isn't the only company there's a few others that do it but there's not a lot yeah um this this test still incorporates aspects of this but the old school method was the culturing yeah and the culturing certainly gave you an idea of what's going on but the problem that they found there is that in transit things can perish and die when i say Mm. things strains yeah particularly bacteria yeast can be really hard there too and And then others can actually thrive yeah which is something we've seen so yeah you can sort of look at where you might have a culture that tells you something's really high but then you see which we'll talk about the the PCR, the DNA mm. testing, and you'll see that that's not actually the case. So yeah. it can be a little bit skewed, don't and, you think? Yeah, and just for just to even kind of digress on that a little bit, culturing just means literally they're looking at a sample of your feces or stool and they put it on a Petri dish and they allow 
whatever organisms are in it to actually grow. And then from that, they can get an understanding of what's actually growing, living, thriving example in Mm -hmm. your gut. So that's what culturing means. And then obviously, so that's the testing methods that have been used by nutritionists and naturopaths and even probably some general practitioners. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like looking at parasites and stuff before PCR testing came along. So PCR testing came along and it is now just um, this crazy evolving world of what they are finding yeah. and using in terms of looking at genetic and material and dna of bacteria yeah in the gut and so, it's a lot more specific too so not only it's <laughs> a lot more specific and a lot more diverse yeah so they're able to as carissa just said look at that dna expression of the bacteria um and really get an idea mm. of where that then sits so what they'll do is when they look at um what your personal readings are within your stool mm. they'll then be able to plot that against um in quotation marks the norm or a healthy cohort yeah to get an idea of where you sit within the spectrum yeah. so from collating all of the data in the lab they um generally at this point yeah um this is think this is like a low amount of say something like lactobacillus and they think at the other end is a high amount yeah and then they will go okay your specimen fits here yeah and then the other thing that like just to give just to give an example of like the looking at the cultures like we're probably looking with the old like the different the older method of testing so the culturing method of testing we're looking at realistically like four species of bacteria and then we're mm-hmm. looking at the GI effects test which is the PCR test which is the test Jess and I are talking about and we're looking at I don't I haven't even counted how many species they look at but we're looking yeah. at sometimes up to five or six phylums and within those phylums species underneath yeah. that so it's yeah. it's pretty intense like. Like it's, and then within that, the cool thing about that now is within all these strains or species that they're finding, they're pumping research into mm. that and the effects of that in different um, conditions and not so much just gastrointestinal conditions. We're talking like um, fatigue style conditions, neurological conditions, autoimmune conditions, mm-hmm. blood sugar dysregulation. So what types of um, families of bacteria, phylums of bacteria, but even strains within that are involved in these or linked potentially in high or low numbers with these conditions yeah so it's a pretty exciting time to be in the world of gut health let us tell you (laughs) (laughs) and the interesting thing is that it is yes so exciting but there's so much still that we are understanding and learning and we find that even with using these tests like there's so much we get from it as practitioners but there's actually even frustration points where we're seeing things quite um commonly because Mm. we deal with gut issues but when we try and dive into the research and the data it's actually not there yet so it's we're kind of um i guess seeing more um anecdotally and and Mm. from clinically like how people are responding if they've got our gut issues and certain strains that might be too high or too low and how that's influenced by diet so Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time for us yeah. in that regard. I also say to a lot of my clients now, like just even using this this test now, like even when I first used this test, I can't remember how long ago we started using it, just even what I knew then and what, what I know now. Yeah. And I just think what the hell is it going to be like in two to five years no. when we look back on some of these tests? Like honestly, like I don't think Jess and I can even keep up with the amount of mm. information that's coming out about gut health at the moment. We're doing our bloody best. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot. <laughs> I'm going to wade through a sea of shit to find the good stuff <laughs> pardon the pun, pardon the pun. <laughs> yeah. um but it's just like i think we'll look back on this test and I'm, I'm sure we'll still be using these tests in five years but just the amount of information and oh, the amount of knowledge so we'll true. have 
about these um these phylums and the species within them is just going to be freaking mind blowing. Like it's, and particularly, I think how to influence them from yeah, which we'll talk a bit diet about from diet and supplements. Yeah, because at the moment it's still um it's still very or what's the word? It, it's still very much like a okay, you've got this going on then you generally want to eat in this way as like a blank. It's not, mm. a, I can't think of the words, but it's kind yeah. of a bit of a like, not a blanket approach, but it's still like a, a category of like, this is what we would do. Whereas yeah. I think it's just going to get more and more and more, more individualized. And the thing is too, like, and anyone who's been in clinical practice for a, a period of time knows that what you read in research and what plays out in clinical yeah. practice is so freaking different. Yeah. Like, let's just like, we, you can pick one phylum of bacteria and by rights, the research shows at the moment that it thrives on this kind of a diet and therefore yep. if you were treating someone you would do that with them but then there's just so many individualized things that come in with people that you know that's where you have to mold and use individualized treatment like just because yep. the research is saying that and a should a plus b should equal c it doesn't always play yep. out that way because there's so many variables when we're looking at people so as individuals true. so I think that's why, you know, like just using these tests more and more in the clinic and starting to see certain patterns evolve and Jess and I are asking each other questions going, well, are you seeing this or what mm. does this mean? And then we go digging for the research and it's either not there or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... So I want to talk, maybe not now, a little bit about that in regards to retesting and what things that we're seeing and what that might mean from an individual sitting in front of you as opposed to what a test says. So, yeah, yeah. But let's sort of talk a little bit just to give everyone listening an idea of the test. Almost I'm imagining like having a client sitting in front of you and yeah. you've got them um, over the phone yeah, yeah. <laughs> without like, you know, just dis disclosing too much about this particular test. But I think um, what I wanted to sort of say is when you get a test back, um, we have a breakdown of not only the bacteria within the gut, um, but we're also looking at mm. inflammation. So we can see a whole array of inflammatory markers, which is super important for us yeah, to yeah. know whether we need to treat that. We can look at infections, so whether there's parasites that are there. We can also look at yeast and see if there's a yeast um, overgrowth. Mm -hmm. um, and we can also look at, um, which we've talked about, I'm sure, in other podcasts, is short-chain fatty mm -hmm. acids, so a byproduct of your bacteria when mm -hmm. they ferment. Um, <coughs> carbohydrates and, and, and other fuel um, is this short-chain fatty acid production, which mm -hmm. is so important for a healthy gut and yep. a healthy everything, everything. <laughs> just to summarize. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we can see a breakdown of those. Yeah. So that's a bloody huge comprehensive I have look not into had, the gut. I have not had one person who has done this test. Like it, it, it like like before we even get into the like the cost of it, it is a whack of money for this yeah, test. Like to yeah. do the full comprehensive one. So just because I know people are gonna yeah, want yeah, to anyway, it's six fifty. Yeah. So that's a fair whack of money to do a test. Yeah. But I have not had one person who has been disappointed with oh doing God, this test. Like no. when they look at it, like obviously, granted, most people don't get it, but obviously we one of our big things is how much time we sit down going through our test and explaining to people. Mm. Everyone's just like, holy wow. Yeah. Like it's... Yeah, so true. Yeah. And I think with um, things like the inflammatory markers, they're so important for us too because they let us know obviously how much inflammation is mm. going on and that really impacts our treatment but it tells us if we need to start looking at integrating other 
um, I guess, therapists or other yeah. medical, um, yeah, I am struggling. Specialist. Medical people? Yeah. Specialist. <laughs> <laughs> medical people. Medical Those people. Those other folk out there in the world of gut health. That's it. <laughs> Those ones that use scopes. <laughs> That's it. So, you know, if we're seeing really high inflammatory markers here, we know if someone yeah. hasn't already, we need to send yeah. them off to have, whether it's a colonoscopy or yeah. endoscopy or some, some form of, yeah. of extra testing. So, yeah. Yeah, really, really important. Mm -hmm. um, it gives us a breakdown of fats, fecal fats, yep. um, so we can see if there's too much fat in the stool, which isn't simply about always you're not breaking fat down mm. um, or your diet's really high in fat. Oh, yeah, it can be reasons, but it can also relate heavily back to the bacteria in the gut too. Absolutely. Which we'll, we'll talk we'll a bit about. So it also does pancreatic function to a degree as well. Like yeah, true, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just glossed you over totally that one, didn't I? That's pretty important one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, beta glucuronidase. Oh, you, you, you love beta glucuronidase. Oh, I just I give, I, give it a little plug. I can't little kind of explain it to people like um, I love your expert. I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like I can't just explain to people it like it's a little marker in the gut and. Basically, our liver has this, does this beautiful job of packaging up toxins and hormone byproducts and all of this, and I just explain it to people. I did get my, my analogy or somewhere else, but I can't remember where. But it's kind of like the liver packages things up like a little present and puts mm. a bow in it. You should claim it; it's yours. <laughs> really? Because yeah. I'm sure whoever <laughs> probably goes, but it's probably some famous that I got it off. <laughs> like, it's mine. Um, and then basically, what happens when we've got a gut that is potentially dysbiotic or there's overgrowth of certain bacteria um, and things like that is that it's they kind of have the capacity in a way to kind of unpackage those little mm. those little presents that are little packaged up toxins that realistically should be getting carried through the gut mm -hmm. and excreted. Out. so obviously when they're unpackaged then the gut gets more of a toxic load basically mm. and then those things let's just look at estrogens for example can be pushed back out into circulation so beta glucuronidase is kind of a marker i just say that so i explain it to my clients anyway is a marker that's raised in response to that happening so yep. if you've got high levels of that then there's a lot of toxin activity or toxin mm. unpackaging yeah in a way that's mm. kind of how i explain it yeah no no love yeah. it love your work it's my <laughs> my little bone present analogy <laughs> so let's talk a bit about the bacteria because this is probably the, i mean everything else we've just mm. mentioned is really important but i think this is the part where we probably well i know for me i nerd out hardcore yeah yep. so without getting too i'm interested just to see how we say the phylums differently <laughs> Yeah, so we should be it. talking about the two main phylums. So I say Bacteroides. What Me you, too. Oh, do you? Yeah. Holy Never. shit. <laughs> what do you say there? Do you say Firmicutes? No, I say Firmicutes. Oh, I say Firmicutes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so these, basically in your test results, it'll give you a breakdown, as Chris was saying, of the phylums or families. Families. That's what, what that means, little yeah. families. So um, the, the two that we just mentioned are, are definitely the more dominant yep. families. Yep. And the first thing we do is we look at um, the ratio between these. And I think one of the first things that we see in really um, dysbiotic guts um, in, in inflammation is the, the imbalances out here. And yep. also we see a lot of influence here through diet, yep. um, which we definitely want to go over. So the first thing also to highlight is that none of these um, different strains that we're talking about it's um, or species, it, they're not bad. Like no. nothing's bad or good. It's about balance. It's about balance, yeah. So with the test, when you look at it, you've got like, um, I was sort of talking before about a low to high and we're looking at trying to get you in the middle of that just to see you've got not too mm. much, 
um, or not too little. Yeah. So if something is like way too high, it's going to be plotted on there. And mm. conversely, if it's way too, too low. low. And that's what we're looking at. Now, I guess the thing too is that at the moment, as we we're saying before, this is all based on data to date. But yep. one of the things, jumping ahead of myself here, but one of the things I think we do see is that not everyone fits into the perfect picture of that. No. And, you know, if you get someone who you've been working with and they're feeling really amazing and some things might be a little high or low, like you don't have to just keep like punching your clients yeah. with like supplements and all these sorts of things just to get that perfect looking test. But yeah, yeah I want to mention that a little bit later. So yeah, with these particular phylums, um, I think one of the things we see obviously the most is the bacteroides being um, dominant or too high. <clears throat> dominant, yeah. There's a lot that... Well, not even, it's not dominant compared Well, dominant, to, sorry, over the Firmicutes. Yeah, or, or just... Firmicutes. Yeah. <laughs> I think you actually are right. It's just I decided on that years ago and I just haven't changed it. <laughs> Who knows? Who bloody knows? Who cares? How do you right? go saying the rest of these? Because I literally... I'm getting pretty good, you... but some of them I really struggle on. And what do you say for that? I say pseudo-flavin fractor. <laughs> yeah, pseudo-flavin and fractor species. Yeah. Oh, cool. Fecal bacterium pratsnitsii. I just call it the prusin eye. <laughs> I don't even try and pronounce that word. I'm just like, nah, that one never even given it a crack. <laughs> I'm like, just point when I can't say them on like that one. That one. <laughs> the third one from the bottom. Oh, if God. you have Carissa as a practitioner and you get one of these tests, make her pronounce them. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess I'm more talking about um, their expression or dominance over the firmicutes because we do see um, with this, they give you a ratio. And we often do see that there's a higher um, amount that we want to see of the bacteroides yep. over the firmicutes. Yep. Um, what I was going to say, though, is I do... I do hear a lot of like debate about this. Like I've heard mm -hmm. some people um, probably in other podcasts that I've listened to really talk about the Firmicutes being, um, yeah, in quotation mark, bad and you don't want too many of them and that if you have too many, they can be associated with um, fat or um, holding on to fat in the body. But there's but, like species within that that are associated with fat, but it's not, yeah. the, whole, it's not the phylum as a whole. Exactly. Like the yeah. phylum as a whole. Is. And there was a study that was done on that a while ago, but it's been it's been quite heavily debunked. I think it was oh, done okay. with um, off the top of my head at the start of the year. It was done on rats, and they were um, looking at influencing their firmicutes and the ones that they like. They fed them the same diets, mm. but the higher um, ratio of firmicutes bacteria, those mouse or rats or whatever got fat. So it was like, oh, my God, if you have too many of these, you're going to get fat. It's mm. why we're all obese. But there's been studies since that have been that have debunked that. And the problem that I think is that that study got so much attention. What were they feeding the rats? Oh, God, I don't know. Yeah. Is this a tomato brain already? I'm just like, what McDonald's were they feeding them, Because <laughs> that kind of matters. Rat food. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But I guess what I'm saying is, like, that had a lot of attention. And I do hear people be... Um, okay talking about the firmicutes being bad and I think I just wanted to note that if you've heard that it's it's certainly been debunked and it's yeah. it's not true. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, um the the bacteroides we do see high, don't we? We yeah. do see a lot of that. What a lot. And um I think the reason that we see these high is that here's my analogy time. 
I refer to these with my clients. Have I told you this one? The cockroaches of the gut. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm about to hear it. (laughs) If your gut's been under stress, and particularly if there's been um, antibiotic use, which has happened a lot with people with gut issues, Mm -hmm. bacteroides can really thrive very easy. So think about like if there's that whole, you know, the atomic bomb situation we talk about goes off, all that would be left is cockroaches because they just survive Mm. anything. So bacteroides are really robust. So if your gut's had a lot thrown at it with Mm. antibiotics, bacteroides will really thrive and take advantage of that. Again, they're not bad, but they'll start to get... Um, too high in numbers and when they get too high in numbers they can be problematic and cause gut symptoms mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah, it does actually yeah. i've never yeah it's a good one cockroaches yeah, cockroaches <laughs> like cockroaches of their gut <laughs> i like it um then we've got yeah the firmicutes so uh, as you were saying like there's all different types in here i mean even with this test alone um one two three four five six seven eight nine ten we've got ten different species that we're looking at here haven't we and then firmicutes phylum yeah yeah and there's a few real standouts that have got some pretty cool studies around that we really look at Mm -hmm. um do you have any in there that you like lose your shit over? That I like really... <laughs> the ones that I <laughs> I like the ones that really like boost the um like the um short chain fatty acids. Yeah. So and quite often what I see is these are the ones when we've got a sort of overdominance of the bacteroides and then even an overdominance within the Firmicutes phylum of some of the ones that do still feed on fat mm. that you see a lower. Um, <clears throat> prevalence of the things, so like our ruminococcus, roseberia, lactobacillus, mm-hmm. which obviously mm-hmm. isn't the case with this test we've got up at the moment, yep. but usually sort of those guys. And, so true. And these are the guys like like – it's without we could probably do a whole freaking podcast on short chain fatty acids but and butyrate and all of that mm. but it's such an important part of the gut for you know just feeding our mitochondrial function mm-hmm. and um you know a bit more upstream like transportation of nutrients and b mm-hmm. vitamins and there's just so much that happens with what short chain fatty acids need to do that when butyrate and all that are quite low because the gut environment is not favorable to kind of help that to thrive. It's kind of creates mm-hmm. this ripple effect for everything else in the body. Right. Yeah. So I kind of lose my shit over those yeah, a little bit. <laughs> no, it's, so. um, oh yeah. It's an important one to point out because, and I think that's a really common picture we see yeah. is those species that are really robust in helping produce short chain fatty acids are often low. Yeah. And I think what it also highlights is that often we're seeing a gut that, actually needs to be fed right so yeah. these species thrive because it's a symbiotic relationship if some are dominant then they're going to hold space over other species yeah so if we can lower those dominant species but really allow the other ones to thrive and that's where diet is so important that's exactly what i was about to say and this is what makes this so cool is the fact that this is not something that you can just like obviously supplements play a huge part in this because there's so much gut healing that needs to be done and there's obviously usually some sort of bacterial strains or yeast strains that do need a bit of knocking and we'll get to those later but just between these two phylums or families this is diet based and yeah. they don't really, it doesn't really become apart from, you know, obviously what Jess was saying before with antibiotic use and stuff, but 
this is so fueled by diet and is so fixed by diet. Mm. Yes, you know, so it's not like, oh, we can give you these magic pills and do all of this. Like the, the basis of this is food and how you eat and so what you true. choose to put into your mouth. And that's what I think is so cool. And seeing like with the bacteroides, like if we see high um, ratios there, we don't look at that and go, oh, we need to throw any microbials at it. No. It's like, no, we need to look at this person's diet. Yep. And I think the other thing that you sort of alluded to there too is that if we're seeing those high bacteroides and then even in the firmicutes, the um, pseudoflavonofractor species. <laughs> oh, well done. Yeah. Yeah. Those little guys love uh, fat. And, and animal-based meat. Yes. Protein. Animal-based protein. So without getting in and naming and shaming too many types of diets, mm. I might do it anyway later, we'll see. You can, like what we are seeing a really strong pattern with here, by the time we're seeing a lot of our clients that have been on these high protein, high animal protein and mm. high fat diets mm-hmm. that at long term with low plant-based starches and carbohydrates mm-hmm. and probably low plant-based fibers in general is that we're seeing this overdominance of the bacteroides phylum and some of these species within the firmicutes phylum that thrive on this fat mm-hmm. and animal-based protein and then this shrinking of these these species like the rosemary and the ruminococcus and all these guys that thrive on plant-based mm-hmm. fibers yep. so you can already see how you know then the downstream effects of that or more upstream effects however we choose to look at it, is that our short chain fatty acid production is affected our nutrients there's just so much mm. following on from that and it's just like so i'm just kind of very interested to see how a lot of these now like you can see it in people's gut tests the, the results of a lot of these diets that mm. are you know not plant-based anymore mm. so i'm just so interested to see what's going to come out in the next few years like this is only that we're on the cusp of learning what we know about yep. the gut bacteria and what thrives and what and what doesn't do well and what and what actually influence mm. the rest of the rest of things in the body so yeah stay yep. tuned for that because there'll be a <laughs> podcast about those ones <laughs> So there's a few others to probably point out. Like there's a, um, do you say actinobacter phylum? I say a cinobacter. <laughs> I actually don't know. I've never looked up how to say that no, one. I say a cinobacter. Cinobacter sounds better. Yeah, yeah I might steal that. Actinobacteria. Cinobacteria. <laughs> but this is where you're all your bifido. Clearly we're experts. <laughs> We're just really shit at pronunciation. <laughs> we just don't care about pronunciation. <laughs> Doesn't really make you a better pracky. Um, so this is where the bifidobacteria um, dominate and hang out, um, which I think a lot of people probably have heard about bifido mm. and the lactobacillus, the most common. So um, again, we're often seeing quite low growth here, and these guys are big short chain fatty acid producers yeah. too. So. Commonly, we'll see this low with the rosemary and the ruminococcus being yeah. low. So it's they generally tend to go hand in hand. Yep. The other area is the Proteobacter phylum. Yeah. These guys are interesting again. Like, I get a bit excited over Oxalobacter. Do you? I use my shit over that a little bit. Anyway, I'll tell you guys why in a second. Okay. <laughs> so these are probably the group that can be the most problematic as far as symptom picture so if they are too dominant they can release something called lpss lipopolysaccharides that can be really problematic and inflammatory within the gut and i mean each each one of these can really um cause its own types of symptoms and we it's interesting with the desulfovibrio 
one like on, on the test it doesn't really give you a marker for being in the green it's pretty much either just sits low or it's High. straight into the yellow or yeah. the, the red so, so it's basically it's kept in check and if it's yeah. not it's a pain in the ass exactly literally <laughs> so this is one we do see being problematic um a lot it commonly or how much information do i give you guys um there are certain <laughs> there, there's some classic foods that if you are really suffering with symptom picture wise which is your sulfury vegetables mm. if they just knock you for a six when you eat them as far as symptoms often it can imply that this type of species is too high mm -hmm. um and it actually can cause um, constipation as well, depending um, when we were talking about in the lower bowel here, as opposed to the expression in the small intestinal tracts with SIBO. But in the lower bowel, it can definitely be more associated with a constipated bowel. Um, then we've got E. coli as well, um, which I think a lot of people have heard about. Yeah. Um, I tend to see this. I don't know, do you see it high a lot? It's I do high. see it high, yeah. but it's not as high as the desulfurbrine. No, it's, and it's kind it? of like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do see it high. Never, it's pretty rare that I see it screaming high. Like it's usually there's other standouts for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's a pretty common one. And then the oxalbacter. What did you want to say about uh, that guy? I just feel like because I do a lot of these tests and do a lot of the organic acid tests. Mm. Like I just love the link between when yeah. you kind of get into this bacteria a little bit and you understand the mechanism of um, candida and yeast mm -hmm. and how it can act in the gut and how it can release its own byproducts and drive up oxalic acid yeah. in the gut. Quite often what you'll see is when you've got this oxalobacter and obviously the names kind of all lap over, but when you see this oxalobacter formigenes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Hi, I I will automatically assume that this person's probably got yeast. Yeah. And therefore, and the yeast is probably quite destructive as well, like to the point where it's actually, you know, probably releasing its own little toxic byproducts. And mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. so if you were to do, say, an organic acid test alongside this, quite often what I've started to see just just again anecdotically anecdotally i can't even speak anyway. <laughs> god it's thursday day day four guys day four of 2019 we can't speak already is that you will see higher rabinose markers and high um or high yeast markers yeah. sometimes the yeast will carry through into this test as well mm. although this is not the best test for yeast mm -hmm. but we do see it a lot but the, yeah, yeah usually usually except yeah. if you're um, <laughs> I probably shouldn't be naming <laughs> someone who knows who we're talking about. It's the opposite way. Oh. <laughs> You're like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'll tell you later. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think it's really interesting when you start, like, obviously doing a cup like, and this, again, is not something that you read in textbooks or anything. It's just what you start to see in patterns emerging. Yeah. Yeah, and understanding sure. a little bit about bacteria and then understanding a little bit about you a fair bit about bacteria and a fair bit about yeast but then too like the other markers that that sets off in terms of other testing so yeah yeah so it's a, the proteobacter area um i think it's a biggie i think we tend to probably have a really quick look at that as soon as mm. we get test results yeah. because they they do tend to be standouts as far as really um creating a lot of adverse symptoms yeah adverse symptoms and then um <laughs> I don't even try. Then I back to Smith Eye. Fine with pronouncing the, that. Say the phylum. You're a... You're a Oh, you got that. Do you reckon that's it? I don't know. Eurocyota. I just made it up and I've yeah. never I never, tried. I never bother because I've only got methanobrobibacter. Well, it's archaic. Archaic is what they talk about when they talk about like a lot of these... That, 
guy anyway. So it's do you do you agree? Like because they say yeah, yeah I do. But I, I just haven't thought about it. Of course. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Art Ota. Okay. It's like I don't even. Know. You should see when you get the um. Oh my god! Um, this is hilarious. Oh, what's the other test? The other one that I haven't. I've been getting quite a few of them through lately. And Not they, that um, Ubiome. Ubiome. Yeah. When you get Ubiome and then you can get the CSV file, which just, like, takes everything and just puts it into, like, an Excel spreadsheet, that blows your brain, all of the species and the names of everything in there. Like, oh, you even could probably, more than this? Oh, my God. Oh, you could spend, like, two days sitting there trying to pronounce everything. Oh, my God. To show you yeah, we so should just funny. get a bottle of wine one time, do a podcast <laughs> and try and pronounce all the names. <laughs> Be interesting. <laughs> anyway, the main one here, which is really the only one they test for, is Methanobrevibacter smithii, which has had a lot of attention as a methanogen. Probably, or methanogen, I mean, it produces methane gas, um, and it's really well known in regards to SIBO. Um, you can go back and listen to our SIBO podcast where we talk about that. But it is really commonly um, a problem if it's high in the mm-hmm. lower bowel too. Yeah. And, again, very blocker. much um, a, a blocker. A blocker. Lots of <laughs> constipation when we yeah. see that. Most of the time, not always. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do see a bit of 50-50 with that though, like the desulfur vibrio With one. constipation. Yeah, constipation. Yeah. But I get, that's how I've been high in a lot of – a couple of my clients yeah. have had very loose bowels as yeah. well. Well, they say, they, yeah. they say that <laughs> depending on what's going on yeah. too. Like if desulfur vibrio is high – um, in the lower bowel, it's just about the lower bowel mm. constipation. Yeah. But if it's actually also a problem in the small intestinal tract, yeah. then it's more like a of a diarrhea yeah, response. So, was, like, yeah. I guess it sort of depends. And again, yeah. we don't always fit into these boxes. Yeah, exactly. So, right. yeah. That's um, exactly I'm going to skip right. over Fusobacterium because I don't really see a lot of issues with that guy. I actually don't know much about it. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I've looked well, for I've it. Can't really, find much about yeah, it. Yeah, like, I've never really. Have you had many issues with it? Not but, really, yeah, me either. No. So. Kind of just always sits in the green. So I'm like, all right, you're happy. Yeah. Acomancia, huge one. Jess loves Acomancia. I do. I don't like Acomancia. I even love the way it sounds. Acomancia. <laughs> oh, it's called... 1-800-Acomancia. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just turn this into like a sex hotline for gut bacteria. <laughs> oh, my God. That was your perverted, dirty voice. <laughs> Acomancy has got a lot of research around it too. Heaps. So really, really important for a healthy gut lining. It has, I'm saying the word again, it's got a symbiotic relationship with the gut mucosal lining. So it thrives in that mucosal lining. Mm. And if it's too low, usually it's an indication indication that we're not getting in a lot of that really important mucosal production Mm. at gut lining capacity, which I think can start to highlight that there's probably going to be gut permeability issues slash leaky gut as it's going to be called. Um, I always find it interesting to kind of have a look at that and then have a look at the secretory IGA as well. Yeah. And I also think too, like with secretory IGA, which is another thing that's tested on this that we kind of didn't talk about before, but like... I don't know how you – I'm sure you probably look at it the same way as I do. But say for this person, for example, like if we were to look at their secretory IGA, it looks like it's in the green, yeah. right? But then I would look at their acomancia and then know, like looking at their overall gut state and mm. say that the secretory IGA is probably on the way to bottoming out. Yeah. It's probably peaked. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And yeah. then it's stuck. Would you think the same thing? Oh, like the, you mean that it's, start, it's been high and it's dropping yeah, down like low? Yeah, like it's just starting to – it could be. Yeah, like I sometimes wonder that because sometimes when I just look at it and it's in the green and I'm like, that says it's fine, but I'm just like, 
looking at someone's gut that's been inflamed for so long. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes when you see it really low. Yeah. Anyway, that's just yeah, yeah. that's just something I've always wondered about. Could can't find any research to back it up. Yeah. Or no, I just, I get what you're saying for sure. Mm. But then it's also like it's hard to know because just, as much yeah. as this test is amazing, it's yeah. like a not having the information, it's yeah. like, you know, some people might just have low acromancia and yeah. this pretty IGA is fine. So yeah, it's true. It is hard, but I totally I totally yeah. get what you're saying. Little brain just ticking over things. Conversely, if it's too high, we do see that. And that also can be a sign that there's overactivity on that mm. um, gut lining. Yeah. So a lot of muco like a lot of mucus production or mucin mm. production. And you might see that too if someone's got a lot of um, inflammation yeah. as far as markers there too. So yeah. Look, I could talk forever about acomancia, but I won't. I just want to say that it's super duper important. And we do majority of the time see it too low more than anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then at the bottom of the test, it does, yeah, we talked about there's a breakdown of the ratios between the firmicutes and the bacteroides, which again is majority of the time low. Remember, we're seeing a skewed um, testing scope here. Like people who are doing this are coming to us for gut issues. So I, I think that's really invaluable for mm. us because, you know, it, we see the research, but we actually see the realistic yeah. expression in it's, people with it's gut issues. It's interesting. I actually saw, I follow two, um, two um, GPs over in, I think they're both in the States and one, both of them are gut health specialists. And one of them actually did a post for the new year about things that you shouldn't jump on board with. Mm. Um, and I actually value both their opinions. Like both yep. of them put up some freaking cool research. I'm not going to mention who they are. Both of them put up some really cool research. They've, they've really got their head in the game in terms of gut health. Like I feel yep. like, you know, like they're, they're up there. Anyway, up there with the research. I've listened to them on podcasts, blah, blah. Anyway, and one of them actually put up a post and I was kind of a bit upset with her post because she basically just said at the moment there's just no research backing this, this kind I've of test. That. Yeah, yeah. Yep. this kind of testing, um, no research backing the use of herbal antimicrobials um, in the mm. in the treatment of gut stuff. And I was just like, that's shit, great. man, that's a pretty big call. Yeah. She's got a huge following. Yeah. Some of the stuff she did say was valid. But anyway, this other one that I follow actually jumped on and just basically said I've been using this test in yep. clinical practice for a couple of years now, like two years or 18 months, and I can tell you the things that it has provided mm. for my clients is invaluable mm. and blah, 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 and what it, and just and anecdotally, she, you know, she just went through all, I can't say that word today, anyway. She, anyway, mm. it was just a really, I just watched their little argument yeah. backwards and forwards, and I was like, wow, these are two two big heads that I'm just like yeah. usually quite love, and they're just going head to head over yeah. this test. But obviously one uses it and the other one's very research-based. Yeah. So that's the difference, I think, yeah. which is very interesting That's so well. true. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard that too when yeah. a couple, one, I can't remember the podcast, yeah. but it could have ironically been the same one. Mm. And I, you know what, I can respect it that people are like, I want the I totally the respect that as well because we are like that as well too, but there's still... There is research in behind There is. This, it's just it's... that, like, the level of research that they're wanting, they're wanting, like, those, you know, double-blind crossover studies that have yeah. been done on these for, say, 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Like, we're working with these issues now and we're yeah. seeing – we are seeing research coming through mm. on this and we are using them within a clinical sphere and seeing – day-to-day the outcome of these are positive outcomes mm. and it's like anything like you have to start somewhere you have to like, start it's... somewhere like at the end of the day like so so much of the best 
um, books and, you know, research-based books that you read come from people who started in clinical practice mm. and they see patterns and they see things and time and time again that the research isn't quite up to date with yet or the research is still being formed around it. And then they start pumping their own research into it and they publish these amazing mm. books and a lot of it is based on clinical experience, yeah. like, you know, and then they're working in the research field at the same time. But, yeah, it was just interesting watching one's a researcher, mm. one is actually a gut health practitioner, like big yeah. and they just kind of want, yeah, just from the two different angles watching yeah. them go head to head over it. I was like, woo! <laughs> Both awesome women, by the way. <laughs> of course. Of course. So the last part of the test is the culturing we talked at the start. So they do give you a, a culture. Um, mm. I don't usually pay much attention to the culturing of the species we've seen in the DNA breakdown. Yeah. Um, what we do look at is the additional bacteria. Same. So if there's growth of additional bacteria which have pathogenic potential, yeah. so that means that essentially they can get to numbers that can be um, obviously giving you, again, symptoms and... Yeah. and um, inflammation and so forth so we'll look at that and that will give us a guideline as to whether we potentially do need to use some form of antimicrobial yeah so we're looking for our streps um our bacillus our klebsiellas our campylobacters our enterobacters mm -hmm. that's pretty much all of them isn't yeah, it? yeah that's good Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then our yeast species so again it'll give us an idea of where you're sitting on the mm. scale um generally if we see something popping up here we're probably going to be treating that too yeah. whether it's sitting in the green through to the yellow we're sort of talking traffic light synthesis yeah, systems here yeah, yeah. um but essentially you know if we're starting to see yeast being expressed and cultured it's mm. um given how hard it can be to culture yeast it's a pretty good yeah, sign that it's a problem is, yeah. And as Carissa mentioned, if you're seeing some signs here and that oxalobacter was high, then, you yeah. know, and if you've got an oats test on top, yeah. like, it can be really great. Um, and, of course, parasites. So um, it'll give us an idea if there's parasites at play. Um, and then that's pretty much it. I mean, the rest of the test, there's a really good printout that gives you an idea. <laughs> I'm just laughing at, like, we literally have just gone through that, like, we would kind of explain it to another. I know, exactly. <laughs> it does give you a printout at the bottom as far as um, a little bit of an explanation. But if you've had some um, species from culturing pop up that are too high, it'll actually tell you what you... Um, well, what they advise you to use that has the best ambition for kind of basically getting rid of those. So that can be really useful in practice. Um, it has natural agents and actually does also specify whether it's an antibiotic um, or an antifungal mm -hmm. agent too. So, yeah, we would do exactly what we've done. We would go through that with our clients and then we would look at um, two big things. One what we need to do as far as supplementation. So mm -hmm. what do we need to do if there's some pathogenic potential with bacteria or if there's yeast or parasites, there'd be things we need to use there. And there'd also be supplementation if there was inflammation we'd mm -hmm. need to look at um, and also feeding up those undergrowth bacteria. Now, in saying all of that, we would do those in steps. We wouldn't do yeah. everything at once. Because that would be about 15 something. Exactly. <laughs> Don't get us started on that. So that's one aspect. And then the second, and these have to go hand in hand or otherwise just forget it. You're just not going to get the results, yeah. is diet. 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 <laughs> diet, diet, diet. Yeah. And we don't mean diet in the fact of like, Go on diet. diet. Let's, let's control We mean what you're putting into your mouth. It has <laughs> exactly. to, you know, it has to, it's honestly the foundational part of this. It's yeah. just like you can, it's like what we always say, like you can throw supplements to the cows come home, but at the core of this, every time like I have my clients back in, we're talking about the diet, like if they need to be on a low FODMAP diet or a low mm -hmm. starch diet or a low sulfur diet for a while or even sometimes a combination of that, which sucks 
sucks. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes for a few weeks it is what has to happen. Um, but yeah, and then trying to move you back out of that. So uh-huh. like, and really kind of like marry what what's going into your mouth based with how you're feeling, you know, every, yeah. you know, three to four weeks when we see you. So we can just really try and bring those foods back in and then challenge obviously like you, some of your prebiotics if you're on a low FODMAP diet mm-hmm. or get some even just some prebiotic supplements in there. Um, look at, you know, resistant starch and getting that in there when the timing's right. Bringing back in legumes in small mm-hmm. amounts when the timing's right if we pulled you off them for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So <coughs> I'm dying. It's, um, <laughs> it's stages. So what Chris is saying is that there's stages. So usually at the start after this test results would be the strictest part <coughs> as around diet. Um, and in, to give you an overview, that probably might run for around four weeks give or take either side and then our priority is to start to expand that diet out along with what we're doing with any supplement protocol Um, it's super super important to us that we expand your diet get you back to a whole food Mm -hmm. diet Um, the problem is that if you just use a diet alone to try and control this is where it's just self-perpetuating and you get back into a picture of what we're saying with the bacteria so if someone's got a lot of the things going on that we commonly see they'll maybe stick to that low starch diet Mm -hmm. so that they're not feeding some of these species because they feel better symptom wise but they're just driving that dominance of bacteroides and some of those more pathogenic potential species so it's so important to have Mm -hmm. this information and we do see some clients um, that may just need the dietary side. It's mm-hmm. not always the supplements. Majority yeah. of the time it is. But I've had a couple who um, it's actually been more diet. Like mm-hmm. it's actually been just a ridiculous undergrowth of bacteria and not so much of like um, a pathogenic picture. Yeah. yeah, which is really cool and highlights why this test is so good. So you could, without this test, you might be like, oh, I need to do this and this and Mm. I think they've got an overgrowth of that but it's actually a really poorly populated gut and um, that can be amazing as far as results of just changing up the diet again yeah yeah yeah. Mm. and I just think I think what I love about what this test really highlights is that we're meant to be plant-based eaters Mm. like do you know what I mean like when you just really get into understanding what bacteria thrive on what I'm going to be so excited like I said before to see what comes out with more information about these species within the families in the next couple of years but it just it just highlights how a how important diet is yeah but he b b he (laughs) how important plant-based eating is like it's just it's yep. just showing through in the test. Like, yep. it's just crazy. Like, we need our fibres. We need our starches. We need our probiotic yep. foods. Like, mm-hmm. these guys are the basis of – and then, you know, obviously our, our fats and animal products for people who want to eat them on top of that, but not in the amounts that we mm. we have been consuming them for years or yep. some diets advocate consuming them. So Yeah, so true. That's why. That's why I love testing. <laughs> so can't, thing, can't argue with that. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to mention was retesting because I've been doing this with some clients, not all, mm-hmm. because it is expensive and not everyone wants to retest. Yeah. You don't have to do the full big one either. Like there is one that just does the bacteria, yeast yeah. and parasites. So that's a little bit cheaper around the 400, 420 mark or 450. So we may just repeat that. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed retesting when I can, because obviously you can see the Mm. changes that are happening. But one of the things I wanted to point out is that generally you can really see the positive change, but the most important thing is the person 
sitting in front of you and how they feel. So I've done some retesting and overall been really happy with the results, but I've also seen some things in the test that I could fixate on and go, well, that's still a little bit high, like I was saying before, or and just want to keep throwing, say, an antimicrobial Mm. or something like that at them. But they're sitting here telling me they feel amazing they don't have any issues and it's not like it's just being like a week like that. It's mm-hmm. being like months. They're like, I'm so happy with the wife yeah. and how I feel. So they're really happy to see the improvements in the test results. But I just think it's important as practitioners not to go, well, yeah, you don't fit into this perfect alignment. Yeah. So we have to keep doing all of these supplements. So yeah. you need to, as a practitioner, weigh everything up. Don't yeah. forget the person. Yeah. Tests are great. Um, they're amazing and they're just going to get better and better, but don't forget the mm. person. Yeah, exactly. So true. Yes. So true. <laughs> <laughs> um, did we have anything else? I feel like we've really covered that well. I'm quite proud of ourselves yeah, quite... considering where we started. Uh, yeah, you <laughs> too. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe just I the thing I do get asked a lot with when as soon as I got undergo this with any of my clients is the time frame and honestly oh, yeah. there just isn't one. Hey, mm. like some people and it's the same even with the um the culture testing, it's just it's so individual. Mm. Like I've got some clients that like I literally have moved them through this. Like say they started on FODMAPs, we did this test, we pulled maybe had to pull sulfur veggies as well for a little while. We've cruised them through and they're back eating most foods within reason. Um, maybe there's a few foods that are just absolute no-goes, mm. but that's fine. That's life. Um, <clears throat> I'd say, sorry to interrupt, I'd say with what you're talking about, best case scenario there would be like a 12-week turnaround. 12-week turnaround yeah. minimum. Yeah, minimum. best case. Best case. And then I've got some clients who literally, we did this, we've done this test ages ago mm. and we're still, and this is just dealing with some really sensitive mm. guards and there's just so much more the gut bacteria part of it's huge, but then stress management is yep. another part where sometimes there's hormonal, like it's just, it's just, it's impossible to just be like, yep, we can just put a time frame on how long mm. it takes to fix someone's gut because it's yep. just, like we said, like we know so much at the moment, but really we know so little compared to what we're going to know in the next yep. sort of five to 10 years. So it's a understanding that we're doing our best as prackies with this, but just knowing too that there's just, Sometimes you just hit walls too. Yeah. Like I know with some of my clients, like we've just hit walls doing treatment and you're just like, yep. God, like it, this should be right. Like, yep. And then you kind of got to reassess stuff and change a few things yeah, up. And... For sure. I always say to people too, particularly the more tricky ones that you know it's just going to be taking a lot longer. Like yeah. how long – how long has their issues been going on? If yeah. you've got someone who's had gut issues for 20 years, yeah. they're not going to be better in 12 weeks. Nice. So they're going to, it's it's going to take time. And when I say time, like a good, you know, sometimes 12 to 24 months of treatment. But yeah. I also say that within a three month period, that sort of 12 week time frame we're talking about through to maybe six months, but particularly even just 12 weeks, Mm. you should be starting to see some signs of improvement. So what we're talking about is just like getting to the point where you're just like, woohoo, like everything's amazing. (laughs) See ya. But you know, you should, after doing this test, like 12 Mm -hmm. weeks in, we want you to be seeing some changes, obviously, and feeling better. Like where the rest of that treatment comes in is around Mm -hmm. management of the complexity of your symptoms and rebuilding your gut. So we can generally get inflammation down and adverse bacteria Mm -hmm. down just to negate symptoms, but it's then walking you back out of that and 
the diet around that. So um, often the dietary side can be one of the, mm. the points that takes the longest just to be able to confidently bring you back to a, yep. a really good whole food diverse yep. diet. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like even like bringing people back to that whole food diverse diet, it's so different for everyone walking them through that. Like mm. I know I've had some people where – I don't know if you've had the same thing where you can give them like supplement prebiotics mm. early on and yeah. they just ha- their gut just handles it so yeah. well. And then other people who've got very similar gut bacteria presentations and you they they won't tolerate like something like, you know, some guar gum or yeah. you know, um do you say acacia gum? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, or um, inulin or anything like that. Yeah. But then you build them up with prebiotic food and resistant mm. starch with food and you can come in with those things at the end and they handle them fine. Like yeah. it's just so, yeah. Yeah, well, everyone's different. It's so bloody different. But anyway, <laughs> that's just highlighting the complexities of the gut. And yeah. how it's just like, okay, cool, we've got these tests and they're amazing. It doesn't mean everyone just gets treated the same either yeah. because it's not like that. Yeah, no, good point. So I think we'll finish up there. Yeah. Um, but before we go, we just wanted to let you know about the um, new year revive package. package. It's officially started. Yep. We have a Facebook group, which is open to everyone to join. So you don't have to be a client at the clinic. Like this is basically just for anyone to join. And it's the JCN community Facebook page. It's a closed mm-hmm. group, but it's basically just something. We kicked it off last year, but we're really um, re-kicking it off this year. And we're all posting stuff in there. We're start, all starting a meditation challenge mm-hmm. next Monday. Yep. So if anyone, anyone else wants to get on board with that and just share your experience, if you're new to meditation, you've been doing it for years, doesn't matter. Like mm-hmm. even just between us four crackies, like there's such a diverse mm-hmm. um, range of who's been doing it for a while and who's really very new to it. Um, so yeah, so we're just going to be jumping on, talking about that, talking about our experiences doing that, sharing health stuff, body mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. self-care stuff. So yeah, so the page is going to be great, but obviously yeah. then if you want to actually jump on and do the revive package as well mm-hmm. as that, it's so the, cool. Yeah. The package itself involves the consultations. Five. We've got five, five beautiful consultations. <laughs> so that that is, as always, as we say, it's going to be individualized around what you're wanting to work on with your health. Mm-hmm. Um, it can involve the testing that we've just talked about today, mm-hmm. but there is a real emphasis on the revive package around self-care. Yep. So that's a big part of what we'll be talking about with you and in the Facebook community. There's also some pretty bloody awesome goodie bags that yeah. we have to give away to everyone. Um, we've got um, the Source Bulk Foods Belimba on board with some really nice teas and soaps. So we've kind of got a collection of things more based looking after yourself yeah, instead yeah. of just being food. food. <laughs> um, we've got Love Candles um, for you yep. or, sorry, Ali, she's changed it from Love Candles to LCMB with some um, really good discounts for her, really lovely yep. um, natural candles and flowers. Um, we've got Noosa. Uh, Amy Sargent. Um, wow, Slippo. Nice Amy one. Sargent. <laughs> Beautiful chocolates um, because we need chocolate for self-care. Absolutely. Perfect, Perfect potion. potion. How yep. nice is they're doing um, – can you remember what Em said? The – Beautiful oh, sprays, but they're doing the in-store um, like free, free mini yeah. facials or hands. How thing. cool is yeah. that? So you can actually go in when we're, you join the package. We're going to totally abuse that. I know. <laughs> so cool. I'll be like, I'm here again. Touch yeah, me. Massage me. Touch me. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Touch me with your healing oils. <laughs> um, and then we've got um, Nordic Naturals slash Research Nutrition. So yep. we've got some really good, pure quality uh, fish oils or slash cod liver oils there, which Mate. are so important for 
a multitude of factors we've talked about today with inflammation, gut health, and also just um, stress. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly we're handling that well. Have I missed anyone? Well? No, I don't think no, so. I don't think so. But anyway, it's bloody amazing. I'll link to it in the show notes. If yep. you want to know more about the package, our last episode we did was all about it, and we also shared what we'll be doing because we're doing the mm-hmm. um, all of the sort of self-care side of things with you guys. Mm-hmm. So head there. Um, but other than that, as per usual, if you have any questions or queries, you can let us know. You can Um, email us. Send us some case studies, guys. Yeah. I I think we have been through all of our case studies. Mm. If we haven't and you did send us one, send it to us. Send it to us again because we're we're pretty sure we've printed them all out and gone through them all, but there is a chance we've skimmed a few. I think we might have lost some. I think we did too. Like, I don't know how because I was trying to print them. But then I think we flag things and save things and then they get archived and just in us trying to tidy up our crazy email lives yeah so yeah if, if we if you did send us one and we haven't gone over it, apologies but resend it yeah can i do my quick thing for the person i actually deleted on instagram oh yeah yeah, yeah okay so over, over the holidays and this is totally my apologies but if you're listening to this um someone sent me a big in-depth message asking for a bit of help on my instagram page not on my page but obviously just private messaged it and I accidentally deleted it mm. like I went to like sort of open it and I hit decline by mistake so if that was you and I, I think at the start of it, you said you listened to the podcast um just resend me a message I'm not a rude bitch I'm just, <laughs> I'm just freaking hopeless sometimes and <laughs> that's what happens so yeah <laughs> just I felt really bad and I just I don't I don't know how to get it back and <laughs> I don't know who you are so <laughs> I'm not Love a rude bitch. <laughs> um, and if you guys, um, yeah, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe and share. Please share the podcast. We get so much great we feedback. Get so about much the good podcast feedback. I love it. It makes our hearts sing, and we just we want to get it out there more. And I think because you know the main thing we get about the podcast, as far as feedback, is just how obviously the down to earth side of things, but more the fact that we're just just pulling away the bullshit and really talking about mm. everything from a realistic clinical approach. So share it around. Um, Carissa and I will also be at the Endeavour Open oh, Day this Saturday. Saturday. at midday. So, um, yeah, if you're in Brisbane and you've got um, queries about studying nutrition, you should come along and say yeah. hi. I actually had one of my clients tell me yesterday because of um, the post I did, she's enrolled to do nutrition. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, well, fuzzies. Oh, no. They're going to try and keep us to 15 minutes, which I, I think is hilarious. <laughs> They're like, we'll give Carissa and Jess combined 15 minutes. That's seven and a half minutes each to speak. Because then it's a of questions. We just and I'm laughed. like, you're probably going to get one question in 15 minutes. Good luck, guys. But anyway. All right. Well, we're going to love you and leave you. Um, Have a good in, weekend. Yeah. And um, listening to this. we'll chat to you soon. Yep. Adios. Bye.